Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. I felt like when I really started to make progress behind the scenes and even with our infertility was when I realized that I wanted what God wanted, no matter what that looked like. Because prior to that, I had the plan and it was like, well, God, but didn't you see step five? Because that's that's the next step. I had kind of gotten lost. I was taking the lead role. I mean, follow along, keep up. It wasn't until I had to take a step back, right? After I had this, you know, breakdown and, and all the emotions and feelings and, and I really had to reconnect. I had to ask, you know, some questions back to basics. Who is my God? Where is my foundation? What should that look like? I became a follower. I was a follower and I wanted what he wanted Thank you for stopping by my podcast, Finding God in Our Pain. Welcome. Hi, I'm your host, Sherry Pilkington. In this podcast, you'll hear firsthand stories of how the God of the Holy Bible meets real people in their real pain. We look at the good God we profess through the lens of pain and suffering. I'm processing the most painful season of my life after unexpectedly losing Larry, my husband of 32 years. In my journey, I've discovered that there are many types of deaths. Maybe you've asked God, how could you let this happen? Why me? Where are you, God? Do you even care? What am I supposed to do with my life now? Here at Finding God in Our Pain, we don't shy away from the tough questions. I ask them to my guests. I share what I've experienced. We give real examples of how God shows up in the darkest, most painful situations in life. May the stories that you hear and the advice you receive encourage you to engage the heart of God about your painful places or memories or experiences or even your unmet expectations. Lean in close to God's heart because he speaks beautiful things in the dark. I'm here with my guest today, Jessica Dubuque. We're talking infertility, PCOS, which is polycystic ovary syndrome. And when talking with Jessica, I learned that September is PCOS Awareness Month. So if you want more information on polycystic ovary syndrome, something that Jessica said is responsible for 30% of women not being able to conceive, then visit a website called PCOS Awareness Month. That is all one word dot org. PCOS Awareness Month dot org. Along with receiving encouragement as she shares about her journey through infertility, she also talks about an exciting infertility option called Invacel, and it's more cost-effective as compared to the traditional IVF route, the in vitro fertilization route. You get to hear Jessica's success story, both with her chosen infertility journey, as well as a surprise conception. But you'll also hear Jessica share that there's a backstory to the success story, and it was full of pain and questions and struggled to understand what she had done wrong. And she even filled in the blank for God as to what she had done wrong before she even gave him a chance to speak. 
When I think about the various stories that I have the honor to hear through this podcast, I realize that there is a level of brokenness in us. And what I mean by that is that there is loss or shame, embarrassment, humiliation, fear. In short, we know suffering. I I can't think of a single exception to the fact that as human beings, everyone has experienced these things. And what might be uh, no big deal for you could be devastating for someone else. To live is to know pain and suffering. But what I find most fulfilling is to know that God gives beauty in exchange for our broken things. He wants to engage us in the midst of our pain, to lead us into healing and provide restoration that extracts the pain from the event or the events or the trauma so that it no longer controls us, where it can't make us feel anything less than healed. As Jessica began to share who God was for her in the midst of her heartache and questions, she reveals this beautiful exchange between her and God. She says she went from a leader of her own making to a follower of God. She began to pursue his heart for answers to this painful place. And what does God do? He's such a good father. And he did this for me too. And I know he'll do it for you because that's his nature to heal his sons and daughters. Yes, he's a God of judgment. And there is a day when that will come. But today in the intimacy of relationship with him, he wants to restore, heal, and make new. So when we engage the heart of God, he's so much bigger than the immediate painful place that we bring to him. There's so much more wrapped up in our painful places of life. We show up with fears, assumptions, scars, nightmares. But if we allow him to love on us and to speak into our suffering, his love and his truth dismantle and overwhelm the pain of this life. And we and when we walk in that type of recovery and freedom, we get to taste just a little taste of what it means for him to bring heaven down to earth. Listen as Jessica shares this beautiful transition as God meets her in the midst of her journey of uncertainty and infertility. Jessica, my sweet friend. How I appreciate your courage to share your heart about your journey from infertility to being a mom of two beautiful human beings, a son and a daughter. So welcome. Well, thank you, Sherry. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here today and to to share my story. You have a lot of information that I think is going to not only encourage the heart of women today who struggle with infertility, but you did some groundbreaking research and procedures You'll have Mm -hmm. to break that down. Mm -hmm. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure of the exact terminology that I believe is going to help some women today in their journey through infertility. Mm -hmm. So start us off with what was life like before you arrived at this place where you're like, wait, infertility, what? This is what so um, it stands out to me and and my story is that I always looked at it like we were doing things the right way way. Like that was just so important to me. We did them the right way, which means, and and, and to me means that we dated and then we got engaged and then we got married and we bought a house and then it was time to have a family. And we did all the things and the right steps and the right order for us as a family. And then no baby. 
And so that really is what started this whole infertility journey was that I had what I thought was somewhat picture perfect. I mean, no one's perfect, but it made sense. It's only natural that a baby is next and then there's no baby. <laughs> so, so what does that mean? So we spent about a year and a half, a little over a year. And that's what they, they, whoever they are, they say is natural, right? Like it can take up to a year. And I'll just add that I was already 35 at the time. So years are precious in these moments. We waited the year and then um, at that point realized like, okay, some things possibly wrong. So it was time to, to make an appointment and to, to see my doctor. We scheduled some tests. I ultimately was diagnosed with PCOS and that's polycystic ovarian syndrome. This is PCOS awareness month. PCOS is the cause of, of 30% of infertility in, in women. I really never even heard of it before. So I think that that's step one is being knowledgeable. Since you didn't know about that, I'm sure there's plenty of other women who don't know about, say that again, polycystic ovarian syndrome. PCOS is a hormone imbalance. There is no cure, but there is treatment. You said 30%. So that's, that's alarming, really, if that's mm-hmm. play a part in infertility. One of the fertility clinics, I was in two of them. So the first one was not a match for me. I just want to say that it's okay if you go to an infertility clinic and you realize that these doctors aren't speaking your language or you're not connecting, that there are other options. Don't ever feel like that it's this or, or, or nothing. I had about two or three appointments with this one infertility clinic, and I realized this is just not this isn't working for me. So I I felt like a number in a chart and I wasn't connecting and I, I didn't want that to be my story. So I went back to my doctor and they recommended another fertility clinic. I had one consultation with this doctor and I knew like, this is it. This is my doctor. We're going to, we're going to get a plan together and we're going to start this journey. And I'm going to, I'm going to have some babies. I mean, I just, I just knew, I feel like that's so important to have that connection with your doctor and to be on the same page at this fertility clinic. They were offering two options. One is to create embryos in in a lab. That's what most fertility clinics do is they create your embryos in a lab, but that can also be very costly. They were actually um, offering a second option, which is called InvoCell. Um, InvoCell was a new method used for infertility. It's actually a device that's used for the fertilization and incubation portion of creating an embryo. And that device is then stored inside the mom. You actually get to kind of experience the whole the whole process, which is amazing. My situation in particular, we had embryos in the lab and we also had embryos using this InvoCell option. And we um, we had successful embryos in both. But the InvoCell, because you are bypassing all of the lab work machinery, all the things involved, there is cost savings there. I would encourage those women that are interested and in maybe per- pursuing InvoCell to do some research. What great news when you talk about cost effective, because you and I had shared before that that's one of the deterrents. Now you did a breakthrough procedure. What was that? With the InvoCell, I was 
one of the first few within that fertility clinic to use that new device was the first fertility clinic in this area to actually offer it. And they're still using it today. So it's absolutely breakthrough and provides options for women and, and, and families that may not have the finances available to pursue infertility within a lab. Do you have pros and cons to compare those two with your experience? Cause you went, you did both. I did both. I would probably have more to say about it had it not been successful in both areas. The pro is that they both worked for me. Um, and, and because I don't really have any cons, but I will say that I didn't think that participating in that portion of pregnancy really mattered because what mattered was just having a baby. But looking back, being able to experience that in some way, shape or form was actually really meaningful. Mm. And that was for the embryo creation. So you have two babies now. I have two babies now. I do. Jameson is an IVF baby. We were extremely successful in my opinion. We had nine successful embryos. We transferred two of them and we have Jameson out of that first IVF cycle and grateful that we only had to have the one to to have Jameson. And then with our second baby, we were actually in the process of starting IVF round two for a second baby. When I realized like something wasn't right, um, it was the week after Jameson had turned two and so I called the clinic and I said, hey, like, I know we're starting the, the, the initial works of this, right? So I was thinking maybe we should do some deeper diving into to what's going on because I really thought my PCOS was acting up again. And it had been years since I'd felt like any, you know, flare up, if you will. So I really wanted to get, get in front of a doctor and figure out what's going on. So I, I get there and the first thing they do is they put me on a table to do an ultrasound. And they said, do you want the best news ever? And they said, you're pregnant. I do want to mention that my body obviously would have changed through the pregnancy. And some people, they have an IVF baby and then they naturally get pregnant. Like something clicks in their body and it works and everything's fine. I, on the other hand, had started some preparation because even with IVF with Jameson, I was using acupuncture as part of like prepping my body for an IVF treatment or cycle. So I had already started the works of, of acupuncture for a couple of months. And I really feel like that had a lot to do with this homemade baby, if you will. We were able to conceive Juliet. And I feel, again, the acupuncture played a large role in that, but we didn't have to go through IVF for, for that pregnancy, which is amazing. Juliet was not an imbecile No, because we had planned. All I had to do was start the medication that was going to start next month. And all of a sudden my cycle didn't show up and it was like somebody like, we got to figure this out because I don't want to miss, you know, our plan or schedule. I went in, miracle baby. So... Jameson, the IVF baby. Yes. Juliet is the natural one. So when yes. you're talking about the Invisel option, yes. that yes. is something that was discussed with you as far as a cost-effective option. Yes. We're hitting on the highlights of the fact that it was, yes. that's not always the story for everyone. No, no, it's not. And, and to be honest, although once we started down the infertility clinic path, we had success that wasn't without the heartache and the tears and the pain involved of trying to have a baby prior to that. So 
I love telling my story because it has a happy ending, but there's so much of it that, that that's where like my pain comes from and how I can relate to, to people going through infertility and not having success is because that wasn't day one, step one, boom, you've got a baby, right? Like we had to work and we had to figure out and we had to find the right people and we had to get everyone involved, like to make sure that this happened and how it happened. There was, there was a lot of, a lot of work and prayer and tears all leading up to that moment. So I don't want to take away from the fact that this is, is a journey just because it had a happy ending, because the majority of this story is the failed attempts and the sleepless nights and the countless tears and the questioning why, right? like why me? I did everything right. God, how could this be happening? There's a lot of the story that hasn't been told because it's so much easier to share the success of the story. And there's, I think there's a lot of hope in that success, but at the same time, there's a level of, of connection with others that exists in the pain and, and suffering of getting there. When you hit the wall with the Lord, what did you say to the Lord? I remember this moment vividly. I was sitting in my car in the driveway here at home. It was another failed attempt, another month gone by. And I was on fertility drugs with my own doctor. This is, this is pre-infertility clinic. We had attempts um, just with my own doctor. So we tried three different, three different drugs and, and we still, you know, moved forward another maybe six months or so before we even started talking fertility clinics, we tried on our own and that didn't work. And we went to our doctor. She says, don't worry. We have some options. Here's some pills you can take. We're going to try this for three months. So three months of that, it didn't work. Three months of another one, it didn't work. It was kind of like last resort and, and failed attempt after failed attempt. So I'm in my car when this breaking point happened and rightfully so infertility, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of personal stress, spouse stress, marital stress, and then you throw finances on top of it. Like that's just a recipe for a, a breakdown. Honestly, of course, there's the, the why me God, like what, what, what do I need to do? What did, what did I, what did I do? What have I done wrong? I did everything right. That's, I think that's why that, that, that statement is so important to me. It was because that was my reasoning. I did everything right. Why am I not being rewarded? This is what, this is what, you know, my plan, right? My, and let me just add my plan wise, right? I said, God, what is it? Why me? Why isn't this working? And then it hit me because I answered my question, not God. <laughs> I said, oh yeah. So it's, it's my fault. I got it, God. Like you, yeah, no, don't worry. I, I know it's, it's my fault. I don't know if it's just easier to manage pain when you find a reason or a person to blame. And that easy person was me, especially because as we all do as, as kids and, and young adults, we make mistakes and things we wish we would have done differently. I told the whole story, right? Like, oh, well, now I know because I made these mistakes when I was younger and this is my punishment. That's, that's so, what this is. I'm glad you said that because that's so typical of us. We think mm. 
punishing us. So did he speak into that pain? Did you have, was he silent? By the time we fill in that emptiness or that Mm -hmm. with our own solution. I was off to the races. I had solved my problem. I have asked the question. I answered my own question. And, and, and now I knew that this was my fate. I didn't give him an opportunity to speak in that moment. Took things into my, my own hands. Admitted defeat. In that moment, I found myself angry and um, fearful that it was true. What I was saying was true. I felt shame for the things that I had said were the reasons why I was being punished, right? The mistakes I had made in my past. There was shame involved in that. And the kicker is, is I, I really experienced a lot of self-hatred, which is sad, to be honest. But I found myself not just angry, but hating who, who I was. Ultimately, I think that's what triggered me to hit rock bottom. But it's when I hit rock bottom. It was when you felt the calm after the storm is when he revealed to me his actual answers in his beautiful ways, right? Because I had finally gotten quiet. I'd said all that I needed to say to me and was really ugly to myself. And then he, he came in and told a, a totally different story. He comes in and rewrites our lives and our fears. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that I realized that God was doing when I was crying out in pain and he didn't argue with me or engage me, let me go on on my own little dialogue, hating on myself and feeling sorry for myself and all that other stuff. He just waited for me to exhaust myself and get some rest. I just love that he is the reason that we get to rewrite, whether they were our mistakes, whether it was our fault. God comes in and says, I got that, babe. Give that to me. I'm going to cover that with my blood and we're going to do something new. Here's a new chapter for you. (laughs) So when he spoke that sweetness into your spirit, what did that do for you? It was a process. Honestly, I, I don't feel like I got the full message in that moment, but what he, what he was doing was ever so carefully and gently revealing bits and pieces as I worked my way through what forgiveness and healing looks like. One of the reasons I appreciate this opportunity to speak um, with you, Sherry, is because I got the the opportunity to look back at my story. Because like I've said, I love telling my infertility story. It has a, a great ending. I think it's really positive and it provides hope. And, and I hope that for other women, I hope that they can relate. But there's a behind the scenes to this infertility story where God is, is the main character here. And there were a lot of lessons that I had to learn through this infertility challenge or journey. Um, he was able to speak to me about healing and, and forgiveness and, and not just forgiveness from him, but also forgiving myself and then, and then what I really love about this is that forgiveness is one thing, right? Like, dear Lord, please forgive me. Forgiven. Great. But then what does that look like? How does that feel? I had asked for forgiveness in, in the past about mistakes before, right? And so, okay, great. But what I was doing in reality was I was saying, Lord, I want your forgiveness. And he was saying, child, you're forgiven, but I was still carrying the weight of my mistakes, but I didn't forget God. I mean, I know you said you forgave me, but I'm going to pay my debt. 
You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it right. Don't you, don't you worry because I still, I still know, right. I still know. And that means I still feel these things about who I am. I just get chills even talking about it because it was such a revelation to, to understand the piece of this forgiveness I was missing. And, and a dear, dear, dear friend of mine, God just used her to paint this picture for me because I was struggling with not getting pregnant. She knew me from when I was younger and she painted this beautiful picture. She said, Jessica, that's what God's sacrifice. That's what Jesus sacrifice was. You're missing it. You don't carry the burdens. He does, right? He forgives you, but you have to let go. You have to give those things to him for him to carry. That's that's his love. That's his grace. That's his mercy, his forgiveness. That's that's how this works. As many times I've been to church or read the Bible and I feel like I have a great relationship with God. I didn't get that at all. I carried this weight around for years. God used her ever so, so graciously and, and beautifully. And she painted this picture. That was the purpose of, of his sacrifice was to, to carry these, these weights and these burdens. And I think that's just such a huge part of the behind the scenes of this story was learning to accept his forgiveness and what that really meant and felt like and looked like. But even after she said that, Sherry, like there's still a process to learning how to let go. I've carried it for years. So, okay, great. I mean, you know, I understand what you're saying, but what does that look like? And so learning how to move forward in, in that moment also took steps, um, and, and scripture and, you know, standing on his word to really living free of, of my past. And that's so powerful because when we make that shift, whether it's a mindset or a paradigm shift or whatever it is, when we make that shift, we connect with one of God's truth. The word says the truth will set you free. And that's exactly what it does when we trust God with our painful places and our painful <laughs> And I think that's also part of the process of, of maturing in our understanding of who God is. And then we get to walk into these new revelations. I know for me, when I was talking to the Lord about, you know, my pain, it ultimately came down to fears. Like God was gently and tenderly revealing fears that I had that these things were rooted in. This pain in his tenderness, he began to dismantle these fears. And I they couldn't stand up to his truth. And so mm-hmm. that's when things begin to melt away for me. And I begin to just walk in, but you're right. You got to trust God mm-hmm. is who he says he is. And that what he's saying is true in order for you to step into this new intimacy of relationship with Christ. What mm-hmm. a powerful place to be when you were trying to, when you were talking with God, can you think of a time when he, he brought a scripture to your mind? He brought a song to your mind. He brought something that you could remember mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. connected with him in that moment. He's saying, I just want to give you a hug, a kiss. One that I held dear, um, and I think is, is, um, a, a popular scripture is Jeremiah 29, 11, because he knows the plans he has for me and plans to prosper, um, to bring me hope. So Jeremiah 29, 11, I'm um, really close to my heart, um, because he's promising a future and hope and a plan to prosper. I had to believe that I had to believe that he meant that that was one of his promises 
And in doing so that I could envision those things for myself. I also love Psalms 37, four, where he knows the desires of my heart. And I take that with me from the IVF to today, because I truly believe that, that the reason God knows the desires of my heart is because he placed them there. And if he placed them there, he's got the plans to make that or to create that also learning to let go of my past so that God's blessings could fill my future, knowing that that God is bigger than any of my regrets. Those are a few few items that, that really played a huge role in supporting me during that difficult time. Amanda, you, know, you spoke about he knows the plan. I've always said that, but a newer level of understanding for that came to me through my struggle. And it's that he has the plan. All we have to do is recline in him and inquire of him as to what the plan is. I'm not saying that there's not a learning curve to it. There is. If God calls you into something new, there's a learning curve associated with it. So there's a lot of pressure taken off if, if the our responsibility is to recline and inquire. That's lifted a lot off my shoulders in, in my journey as well. I can relate in what you're saying because I felt like when I really started to make progress behind the scenes and even with our infertility was when I realized that I wanted what God wanted no matter what that looked like. Because prior to that, I had the plan and it was like, well, God, but didn't you see step five? Cause that's, that's the next step. I had kind of gotten lost. I was taking the lead role. I mean, follow along, keep up. It wasn't until I had to take a step back, right? After I had this, you know, breakdown and, and all the emotions and feelings and, and I really had to reconnect. I had to ask, you know, some questions back to basics. Who is my God? Where is my foundation? What should that look like? I became a follower. I was a follower and I wanted what he wanted, no matter what that looked like. And grateful for that experience because he took the lead and um, he he prepared me mentally and physically and, and, and in my soul and in my heart for what was to come because I let go of the reins. It's so God, right, for him to just take you by the hand and lead you. From a body perspective, I started acupuncture and that really brought me into some calm time where I could meditate on where my relationship with God was and what the vision for my future looked like what I felt like he'd spoke to me about. And um, I had started, you know, exercise, whole food nutrition. So I started feeling good. And then from a mental perspective, I was feeling good and I was praying more and in the word. And it was a, a new approach to battling infertility. But what was most surprising though, is that I felt like the most work that was done was actually in my heart. I didn't see that coming. I love people and I love God and, and I want a family and for that to be where his focus was just, I mean, total shock to me. Um, yeah. but 
I just want to, I don't want me to cut you off, but I just want to pause for a moment right now, because I think you're pointing out something that is very significant. And that is this shift in relationship. I have heard more people say what you said a few minutes ago, and I've said it myself. I was doing all the right things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was checking off all the boxes, doing all the stuff good Christian girls do mm-hmm. when they are walking in their faith. But God interrupts and says, I don't want you checking off a list. I want you sitting with me. I want mm-hmm. you to know who I am, my mm-hmm. heart, not just mm-hmm. the all the doing. So then you go through this shift. Can you talk a little bit about that difference between being someone who was leading into a follower? Absolutely. Being the leader, you have control over your life, trying to control my, my problems, trying to control my emotions. Um, I mean, that fear and that shame and, and that anger and self-hate, it's not like that just happened. That had always been there from, from those moments in my past to, to, to then, right? So, but being the leader and having control, I could keep those where they were safe. So the minute that I became this follower, he began to gently reveal this situation or that feeling and then learning to, you know, walk with him and process those things, those feelings, those emotions, but the right way. I mean, it's night and day. It's like living in the dark and, and keeping all of those things in a quote unquote safe place. And then he sheds light on those and helps you to move through them and pass them and become more open. And like you said, growing in that relationship with him. I mean, it's it's, it's actually quite beautiful. Amen. Hearing what you're saying, talking about this maturing in your faith, this growing in intimacy with God, that being what really changed for you as far as the journey, because the possibility of you not conceiving and delivering a healthy baby is very real. So for the woman who is in this long-term journey, whose heart is still breaking, to me, there's gold in discovering Mm -hmm. this level of intimacy or a new level of intimacy with Christ. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. I honestly think it was when I let go of what I thought was the prize and started to embrace what the real prize was, my relationship with God, that journey, that again, that's when things shifted for me. But all of that leading up to that moment, it really was preparation, right? Mentally, physically, emotionally, it was, it was preparation for this new growth and maturity in this relationship with God. I think there comes a time in everyone's life because there's been many people that I've talked to, and it seems like we have the same experience if we're pursuing the heart of God. And that is he, there's a point in our life where God asks us like Sherry, if you don't get what you want, are you still going to love me? Or Mm -hmm. You know, Jessica, if I don't do this exactly like you want it done, are you still going to love me? Am I still enough? Mm -hmm. And I think ultimately Mm -hmm. that's our Isaac being put on the altar and laid down and submitted to the Lord and saying, I give it up, Lord. I give it up Mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. And then what you do with that, I know will be good. It might be a different good, but it's going to be good. Because in my opinion, God is the only one who can bring anything good. Mm-hmm. Out of the heartache of this life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. My realization of, of just that occurred 
after I hit rock bottom. And, and ultimately what rock bottom was is I can't do this alone. I can't do these emotions. I can't do these feelings alone. And so if that means God, it's me and you, then it's, it's me and you. No matter what that means from a future perspective, a family perspective, it's my relationship with God became more meaningful than all the other things in life. When you laid all that down, your dreams, your hopes, you, you literally have to lay it down without expecting anything. Mm-hmm. So what did it feel like when you laid it down and stepped into this intimacy with Christ? <laughs> what I thought it was going to feel like was empty and disappointment. Like you said, like I had left all the dreams and desires of my, of my being. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I had found were the riches of God and that relationship, the comfort, the peace, the love, his forgiveness, all of those things became more visible, provided more purpose. It wasn't as difficult as I thought it was going to be once I had felt those riches. That's good. Taste and see. What is something that surprised you about God's heart for you in this journey? What surprised you? What surprised me is his kindness compared to mine, mm-hmm. to me, if that makes sense. Right. Because we hate on ourselves. Mm-hmm. I was being so much more brutal, brutal to myself because in my mind, that's what I would do. I felt like I'd done something wrong or things should have been done differently or whatever. And that to me, like that was, that was the right punishment. And yet in, in God's eyes, like it it was the complete opposite of, of what he would have done and, and what he did when he picked up all my pieces. And that's where, where the changes in my heart where, where those were the most important was knowing who my heavenly father really is. And I say that because it's one thing to know of him and to know that that's who he's supposed to be. It's another thing to experience his kindness and his love. One of the ways that God reveals his heart to me, especially when my children were younger, was how he feels about me as my parent and me as his daughter. What has he shown you about being a mom as to how he feels about you as his daughter? I hate to keep going back to forgiveness, but that's just what rang so true in my behind the scenes, if you will. Forgiveness and punishment, experiencing what me as a person would do versus what God would have done and the love that he shows me and the grace that he gives me. And then in turn, applying that to my children, to be honest, I don't think I could ever be as hard on my children as I was to myself. (laughs) I don't think that's possible. It's not fair. It's not biblical. It's not godly. It's us making the enemy's job real easy. We're joining in. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. He literally just whispered in my ear and I just, I ran with it. What God has, has shown me as, as a mother is how freely that he gives his love and his grace. And obviously in turn, I want to do that to, to my children. I've often said, 
I want to be like my kids in the sense that they get in trouble for something, but they still come back a few minutes later. Mom, what's for dinner? Like they genuinely (laughs) believe that they are forgiven, believe that they're still loved. They're still going to be received. They're still going to be cared for despite their shortcomings. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. my, I want that attitude for myself, you know, with God, just come back and ask again. Yes, I did this or yes, I did that. But my daddy still loves me. He's going to cover that. And I know what happens. People are going to argue, oh, you got a free pass card on sin. No, it's not that. Because as you're maturing and you're getting closer to God and you're growing in intimacy, you do not want to do the things that grieve him or that cause you to have to come to him and ask for forgiveness. I don't hesitate. I think one of the markers of being more mature in Christ is that you turn around faster. Like you catch when you've done something and you turn around and repent faster. Lord, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said that to her. I lost my cool. I got mad. I shouldn't have. I should have come to you with my anger and and shut my mouth at that moment, but I didn't. And now now we've got this thing going where now Mm -hmm. she's upset with me. So I think there's just a process of turning around faster as far as looking at sin and having a free path. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's what you're doing when no one's looking. I think it's really important. What is something that you wish you knew before you started your infertility journey, whether it's about the process or whether it's about God, either one? for the the process itself is that there are so many options today. Again, you don't have to accept one that you don't feel comfortable with. You don't have to stay with a doctor that doesn't make you feel comfortable or that you don't trust. If there's something you would prefer to try versus something else, like that you can have those conversations and that you can speak your mind and you just need to be comfortable and confident enough to do that. And I just think back to if I hadn't have spoke up in the first fertility clinic that I was involved in, there's no telling how long this would have been drawn out. And I thank God that he said something inside, this is not a match. And it was strong enough and loud enough that I listened and I took action and and made a, a different choice. I just think that's huge that, that, that women know that there are, there are options. And as far as what I wish I'd known with with God was that he had a plan. (laughs) Like I wish I had known enough to trust his plan day one. That's good. We save ourselves a lot of heartache. Mm -hmm. Trust his plan. I'm not saying the journey is easy. I'm not saying you don't have questions for God, but when you can lean into the fact that he is good, he does everything for your good. He's not withholding anything from you and it's going to be for his glory. Mm -hmm. What is the one thing that you want a woman to remember today if she remembers nothing else about what we've talked about? I love the one where you say she has options because I think that's very powerful because you can look at psychiatrists, you can look at doctors, you can look at lawyers, whatever. If it's not a good fit, you can go look for another one. But is there anything additional to that that you would want someone to remember about today, whether it is God or the procedure? I would like to reference Luke 15. Um, where it says that God will leave the 99 in search of the one. So if you are the one lost in your pain, let him find you. Let him find you because it's in that raw moment that a beautiful testimony is born. And I speak it from experience. I always say God is good and kind, two very simple words that run extremely deep with him. (laughs) It has been a beautiful, powerful conversation. Thank you, my sweet friend. 
Thank you. Thank you for your time and for sharing this experience with my guest. I hope you have found encouragement for today and a deeper revelation of God's heart in the midst of pain and suffering. We'd love to have you as a subscriber to Finding God in Our Pain so that you can be connected with all my guests as they share their personal experiences and professional knowledge about pain and suffering. And because this podcast is a division of the website, A Life of Thrive, for more information and the various ways you can connect with us, please visit the website, alifeofthrive.com. I look forward to sharing more transparent stories from the hearts of women who intimately know what it means to have their world flipped upside down, their authentic struggle to make sense of it, and what recovery and healing looks like. Till then, sweet woman, remember you are not alone and that God speaks the most beautiful things in the dark.